بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 27th of November in the year 2023 Alhamdulillah we moved on to the 25th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and I spent quite a few sessions in which I was highlighting the utmost trust the companions had with regards to his narrating the ahadith of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and abu huraira himself mentioned radiyallahu in abu dawud that those who used to ask me about the hadith included umar uthman ali talha and zubair so three of the khilaf rashidin would ask him about the hadith as well as two of the other 10 promised paradise So no, they had no doubt with regards to his narrating the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. But nevertheless, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah was naturally fearful of narrating hadith. So for instance, in a hadith recorded in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 47-488, it mentions, when Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu would go through the marketplace. He would address everyone. Oh people, those who know me, know that I am Abu Hurairah, and that I have heard Rasulullah say, whoever intentionally ascribes falsehood to me, has then prepared his abode in Jahannam. This was frequently mentioned by Abu Hurairah, So, look how interesting. Whenever he would go to the marketplace, so this isn't a place where you relate, this is a place you do business transactions. But he would get the point across to the people. He goes, those who know me, know that I am Abu Huraira, meaning those who know, know those who don't, don't. But I have heard the Prophet say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he mentioned the Mutawatir report. And then he said, this was frequently mentioned by Abu Huraira, meaning he's telling the people, If I'm warning you about the hadith, do you think I'm going to narrate fab- uh, falsely about the Prophet ﷺ? Indeed, it was a practice of this noble man, Allah, to narrate this hadith before proceeding. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 2-413, Hafiz Zahbi in his Seer, Qulayb Rahmatullah, he said, I heard Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and he used to begin narrating a hadith by saying, Rasulullah had said, whoever lies upon me deliberately, then let him take his place in the fire. So look how beautiful. In the marketplace, he would narrate this hadith. And before he started any dars, i.e. any halaqa or circle, he would narrate this hadith. So why was he doing that? He was relating this to highlight, look, don't let shaitan put these thoughts into your heart with regards to myself. I'm narrating this hadith to you countless number of times. So how on earth could you even consider that I would fabricate anything from the Prophet mm-hmm. So we've talked about the companions, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, and their trust in Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. 
Let us now turn to other than the noble companions who would be startled and also initially skeptical upon the narrations of Abu Hurairah. In Al-Isaba 7-205, Al-Bidayah 8-108, it mentions, Marwan ibn al-Hakam, he once became angry with Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, and he said to him, People say that Abu Hurairah relates so many ahadith, but he did not remain long in the company of Rasulullah. Indeed, you only came to Al Madina a few years before Rasulullah passed away. Let's open the report. So, Marwan ibn al Hakam, he was the governor of Al Madina. He was the one deputized by Sayyidina Muawiyah. Marwan ibn al-Hakam, I'll mention a bit about him at the relevant time. But he wasn't a companion according to most of the scholars. Why was he angry with Abu Huraira? I'll mention that at the relevant time as well. But in anger he said this. Now look how interesting, even in anger, if you listen very carefully, he's not saying it. He goes, people say. <laughs> so look how interesting, when you get angry, you would probably, why do you narrate so many hadiths? He's not saying that. Because people say, so even in anger, he wouldn't dare say that you, you know, you're narrating too many hadith. You've only spent a little time with the Prophet Because people have said this. Sayyidina Abu Huraira replied, It is true that I came into the company of Rasulullah after the battle of Khaybar. And at the time, my age was 30. However, from that moment onwards, I became the shadow of Rasulullah and remained with him at all times until he left the world. I used to go to the dwelling of Rasulullah, remain in his service. I performed salah behind him. I rode along with him when he went for Hajj. I participated alongside Rasulullah in the battles that came thereafter. I take an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I am the most acquainted with the ahadith than others. So now, is Abu Huraira boasting? No, he's not boasting. He's mentioning facts. Why is he mentioning his own virtue? Because Marwan is the governor of Al-Madina. So if he makes a statement, people will take it seriously. So like you say, you produce your credentials. And he said, yes, true. I was with Rasulullah after the battle of Khaybar and I was 30 years old at the time. But I was then his shadow, meaning I was always with the Prophet at his dwelling, behind him during Salah, riding the same beast of burden, went to Hajj with him, did Jihad with him. Then he swore a Qasim. I am more acquainted with the hadith than others. So in other words, he's saying, you've, people have said this, you've quoted them. But I'm telling them, nobody is more acquainted than the hadith than I. In another report, Abu Huraira said, you say that Abu Huraira narrates too many hadith from Rasulullah and our reckoning will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I was a poor man. And I accompanied Rasulullah as I was content with enough to fill my stomach. 
آئی اینڈ ہیڈ دوس نو انٹرسٹ ان ورلڈ گیمس دا مہاجرین و بیزی ود دیر ٹریڈنگ ان دا مارکیٹ اینڈ دا انسا و بیزی ٹرینڈنگ ٹو دیر پراپرٹی دس از این احمد ان از مسند نمبر 7725 ود اے صحیح چین اف ٹرانسمیشن سو ہی از ایکسپلیننگ وائی دا ادر کمپینینز ور لائک ہم بیکاز دے ہیڈ ادر کمٹمنٹس سو دے اسپینڈ ایز مچ ٹائم ایز دے کوڈ پاسبلی ود دا پروفٹ بٹ due to commitments that weren't with him all the time. He goes, all I was happy with was to eat, to keep my back straight. That's all I wanted from the world, so I could always be with the Prophet. And in fact, in the report I mentioned yesterday, he said, I would also not even leave for that. The Prophet would give me food. I didn't want to even leave to have that morsel. He goes, the Prophet would feed me. And he's explaining. He goes, people say, I narrate too many hadith. He goes, Allah Ta'ala will reckon it. So now, putting it simply, why was Marwan angry with Abu Huraira? The reason for Marwan's anger was that Abu Huraira had rebuked him for not allowing the beloved grandson of Rasulullah, Sayyidina Hassan, to be buried alongside him. I, as will be mentioned at the level of a place, inshallah. So this is well into the future, but I just want to mention it briefly here. Marwan wouldn't allow, imagine, think about this. <laughs> he wouldn't allow Rasulullah's grandson to be buried next to him. So Abu Huraira stepped in. He goes, why are you poking your nose into this? And Marwan then got angry. So this is the background for the why he was angry. In another report, Abu Huraira had explained to Marwan in Al-Bidayah 8-930, I embraced Islam willingly of my own free will. I also migrated to Rasulullah and I loved him dearly. In contrast, you people, you were his neighbors and the ones who expelled him from his home, persecuted him and his companions. Compared to my Islam, you people only embraced Islam once things had turned against you. As a result of this, Marwan was ashamed to ever engage Abu Huraira and he endeavored to remain as far away as possible from him. <laughs> so Abu Huraira, he knew how to silence people, but he didn't like to do that. So what did he say to Marwan? <laughs> He's basically talking about, you know, the elders and they embraced Islam when Makkah fell. Had they any choice? You know, they had no choice. Mecca's fallen. They're at the mercy of the Prophet. So he said, I embraced Islam freely. No coercion. I migrated to Rasulullah. I loved him dearly. Then he said, you, you people, you grew up with him. You muckens. And what did you do? You expelled him from his home. Then you persecuted him and his companions. Then he goes, compared to my Islam, he goes, what is yours? So then Marwan, look how he got, she got so humiliated by that. Because he started to avoid Abu Huraira. Right? So no, he could do that if he wanted to. Boy, he's getting upset. You notice that he's thinking, why are the people talking like this? It is important, however, to point out that despite this altercation, Marwan could, would still humble himself to whatever was related by Abu Huraira. So don't think this. Marwan's now got a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a go at Abu Huraira saying, whenever he narrates, I'm not going to accept it. 
completely opposite. Whenever Abu Huraira narrated, he would humble himself. So for example, in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 8,365, 8,589 is Qawih, strong and sound. Suleiman ibn Yasar, he relates, some were issued to the merchants and the merchants asked Marwan for permission to sell them. He gave them permission. So we need to explain. So what is Sikak? Sikak is a letter from the ruler ordering that food and other items be given to a certain person. Thus it was a gift given to some deserving person from the ruler. So let's look at the report. Some Siqaq, this was a letter from the ruler, were issued to the merchants. And the merchants, the traders, they asked Marwan, yes, can we sell this? Now what did they mean by that? What they meant was, so they could make a small profit for themselves from it first. <laughs> Have you understood? <laughs> right? So basically the gift was to, let's say, you know, Abdullah. The merchant who got the sikak, he goes, can I, or governor, can I make a little profit first? It will get to him. <laughs> so he gave them permission. Marwan goes, yeah, I don't see a problem. <laughs> Sayyidina Abu Huraira was alerted. <laughs> he rushed and he said, <laughs> Have you made permissible a transaction involving usury? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam forbade buying foodstuff, then selling it before it has been received in full. Mm. Suleiman added, Rahmatullah I thereupon saw Marwan sending his guards, and they started collecting the sepak from whomever they were able to take them from. <laughs> so Abu Huraira said, This is riba. And he went to Marwan, What the what on earth are you doing? <laughs> Did he question him? No. He thought, oh my God, what have I done? He said, is God going to quickly get the merchants before they make any profit from it? So why have I mentioned this report? Notice the relationship they had. <laughs> nothing personal. If you do something wrong, nothing personal. But it's against the Shariat. And notice Marwan, to his credit, didn't say anything. He goes, you're right, I'm wrong. He sent his guards. He goes, make sure you get the Sikak. Another report. In Ahmad in his Musnad, number 9300, there's a person in the chain called Jabir al-Ju'fi, and he's commented upon. And he's the narrator. Jabir al-Ju'fi, he heard from Yazid ibn al-Asam, who relates, I was in Al-Madina with Marwan ibn al-Haqam, and Sayyidina Abu Huraira, and a funeral passed. Abu Huraira stood up, Marwan did not. Abu Huraira radiyallahu thereupon said, Inni ra'aytu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam marrat bihi jinazatan faqam. Verily I saw Rasulullah stand up sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when a funeral passed by him. Immediately Marwan also stood up. Subhanallah. Look how beautiful their relationship. So yes, they you know there was a bit of tension. So a few notes went past. We don't know whose it was. But Abu Huraira said, look how this is a sunnah. People think this is not. You shouldn't do this. He stood up. So they were sitting and he stands up. Marwan, the governor, just doesn't get up. 
So Abu Huraira turns to him. He goes, I saw Rasulullah stand up when a funeral passed by. Immediately, but wants to do. <laughs> so now, is this the Sunnah? <laughs> so to mention the reports, Muhammad Rahmatullah a funeral passed by Sayyidina Hassan ibn Ali and Sayyidina ibn Abbas upon which Sayyidina Hassan stood up but Abdullah ibn Abbas did not stand up Sayyidina Hassan thereupon asked did not Rasulullah stand up for the funeral of a Jew Abdullah ibn Abbas replied Yes, but then he sat down. This is in Nasai, number 1925 with the Sahih chain of transmission. Ahmed in his Musnad 1-201, Mishkat, number 1683 in the chapter on funerals. So simply put, what's happened? Ahlul Bayt, Rasulullah's family. His grandson gets up when a, uh, a body is going past a funeral procession. The cousin of Rasulullah didn't, Abdullah ibn Abbas. So Hassan asked him respectfully, he goes, didn't Rasulullah stand up for the funeral of even a Jew? Even a Jew he stood up. So Ibn Abbas said, yes indeed. But then he sat. So now, going back to the previous report, Abu Huraira stood up. Marwan was sitting. So this hadith, Second hadith indicates that Marwan seems to be correct because Ibn Abbas said that he sat. Mm. So we need to explain this. First, why did our beloved Messenger stand up for the body of a Jew that passed by him? He was a Jew. So they're doing their, you know, their, their janazah, whatever it is. And the Prophet stands up. Why? In Nasai, number 1928, Sahih, Ahmad in his Musnad, 1-200, Mishkat, number 1684, in the chapter on funerals. Ja'far ibn Muhammad, i.e. Ja'far al-Sadiq, rahmatullah he relates from his father, Muhammad al-Baqir, rahmatullah the son of Zain al-Abidin. Sayyidina Hassan ibn Ali, was sitting when a funeral passed. The people thereupon stood until the funeral passed, and Hassan said, The funeral of a Jew passed by when Rasulullah was sitting in his path. And he did not want the funeral of a Jew to pass over his head. Thus he stood up. This is in Nasai, number 1928, Sahih, Ahmad in his Musnad, 1-200, Mishkat, number 1684 in the chapter on funerals. So the chain is fascinating. The chain of this hadith are all Ahlul Bayt, the immediate children of Rasulullah. Imam Jafar al-Sadiq, who is a great, great, great grandson of the Prophet he hears it from his father, Muhammad al-Baqir, and he is the son of Zain al-Abidin, who is the son of Hussein, etc, etc. So he is Ahl al-Bayt. This report says, Hassan was sitting when the funeral passed. The people stood up, and then Hassan said, Rasulullah stood up for the, for the Jewish funeral, because he did not want a Jew to pass over his head. So this is a, one of the clarifications, meaning it wasn't out of honor. <laughs> he just not did not want a, an unbeliever to go past over his head. This is one report. Another. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 1312, 
Sahih Muslim number 961, Nasai number 1922, Sahih. Sayyidina Sahal ibn Hunayf al-Badli, radiyallahu, and Sayyidina Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, radiyallahu, they both relate. A funeral passed by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he stood up. It was said to him, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is a Jew. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Alaysad nafsa. Is it not a soul? Does it not have a soul? So this is a flawless report in Bukhari and Muslim. Now another reason is given. He goes, isn't he a soul? Hasn't Allah Ta'ala given him a soul? So he's explaining, he's died now. When a person dies, he now knows. But it's too late if he's died in unbelief. He goes, I'm respecting the soul that Allah Ta'ala placed in his body. Another report. In Nasai number 1931 is Hassan, Mishkad number 1686 in the chapter on funerals. Anas, he relates, a funeral passed by Rasulullah and he stood up. It was said, it is the funeral of a Jew, Ya Rasulullah. He said, We stood up for the angels. So another reason is now given. Angels were present. So now what's interesting, what were angels doing at the funeral of a Jew? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. They could have been angels of punishment. Or, who knows, maybe Iman was in this Jewish, Jewish man's heart. Maybe there was the angels, whatever, there were angels there. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, I stood up for the angels. You can't see them. Alayhi salatu Another report. In Ahmad in his Musnad 4-391, Mishkat number 1686 in the chapter on funerals, Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashari, radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger further clarified, sallallahu alayhi wa stand up for the funeral of a Jew, Christian or Muslim as it passes you. You are not standing for it. You will only stand for the angels accompanying it. Alayhi salatu so in this report, the Prophet is given a command now. It's no longer an action. And his speech carries more than his wit. Why? Because the speech is for us. The action may be only for him. So now he's commanded it. He goes, stand up. For who? Jew, Christian, Muslim. You're not standing for it. You are standing for the angels. Accompanying it. And in one other report... Our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa stood up when the Jewish funeral passed and he said, Inna lil mawti faza'an fa'idha ra'aytumul janazatu fa'kumu. Verily death is something terrifying. Thus if you see a funeral, stand up. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1311, Sayyid Muslim, number 960, Nasai, number 1923, with a Sayyid channel transmission. So look at the frightening description. Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, death is something terrifying. Inna lil mawti faza'an. Thus, if you see a funeral, stand up. So these are the reports. So now let's summarize. Four reasons were given to stand up when the funeral passes. What are the four reasons? Number one. So that the body of an unbeliever does not pass above you. Clear? Mm -hmm. Second reason. To respect the fact 
it has a soul. That's clear. Third reason, to stand in respect of the angels, who are accompanying. That's also clear. Fourth reason, as a reminder and a warning of death itself. Now, why is it important that you mention these four reasons? The four reasons have been mentioned in Sahih Hadith. They are still, of course, valid. Hence, the command to stand is still applicable. Can they? Can you say that's been abrogated? <laughs> you know, the response is, it doesn't make any sense to make that statement. All those things are still applicable. Therefore, the command to stand is applicable. Though, one may sit if one wishes. And like I mentioned, in fiqh, it is very important to point out that the verbal statements of our beloved Messenger وسلم, carries more weight than his action, which may only be for his blessed self. And as is well known to the blessed scholars, a verbal statement of our beloved Messenger وسلم, can only be abrogated by another verbal statement, which is not the case here. So this is a scholarly discussion. They say that his statement cannot be abrogated by an action. It has to be another statement. It's not applicable here. There's no other statement. So now, let's go back. What did Abu Huraira do? This is why I'm going through it. He stood up. What does that tell you about Abu Huraira? Does he know Hadith? Right? This is what because he goes, I know the Hadith more than anybody. Everything I've narrated, don't you think he knew that? And Marwan stood up humbly. But now let's turn to the other report. Ibn Abbas didn't. What's going on there? Yeah. Note that Sayyidina Hassan, who stood up, the beloved grandson of Rasulullah, when Ibn Abbas informed him that Rasulullah also sat, he then acted upon this. Though there is no mention of whether Hassan did this regularly thereafter. So Hassan just respected his cousin, his uncle cousin, Abdullah ibn Abbas, because he's my senior. I'm not going to argue with him. Now what's interesting, this is an important point. If you want to learn your deen, the scholars say you have to empty your glass. <laughs> what does that mean? Sheikh Hamza Yusuf al-Maliki, hafizullah, he mentions, he mentions uh, an anecdote. He said that there was a scholar and another a student came to him. And this student, you know, he was quite well versed. You know, he you know he was well versed. So the scholar, he got a container, a small cup, and he told the student, he goes, go and fill it with water. But only stop when I tell you. So he goes, okay. So the student went, got some water, and he's pouring it into the cup. So obviously the cup fills, but the sheikh has not told him to stop. So the water starts pouring out of the cup. So he's looking at the sheikh, and the sheikh goes, what's the matter? He goes, uh, respected sheikh, he goes, I'm wasting the water. He goes, why? Why are you wasting it? He goes, well, the, it's overflowing. So he goes, so how will that water become useful? So the student goes, well, you need to use the water first. So the sheikh goes, that's what you need to do. 
Now what did he mean? Sheikh Hamza says, the student came, he knows it all. He's got the attitude. So where's the where is he gonna learn from the Sheikh? Oh I already know that. Oh I know that. Oh what about that one? So he goes, when you come to me, get rid of everything. Then you can learn from me. So what's the problem in today's day and age? We don't know the basic other which you think about that. When you go, it's actually quite humbling. You're actually you know showing by your action, I don't know, I'm learning. So that's a good thing because humility is knowledge. But you destroy that when you think you know everything. Then you start thinking, well, who's actually teaching here? So note here, Hassan, even though he knew he was the grandson of the Prophet when Ibn Abbas said he also saw your grandfather, he didn't question him. He could have said, yeah, but didn't you know that my grandfather mentioned this? And he, he just lowered his head. So note, there's also other things we can take from these reports as well. So note, Abu Huraira, he knew the reports intricately. And he told Marwan to stand up. I noticed, again, his deep knowledge of the Sharia. So all I mentioned today was now turning to other than the companions of the Prophet And I specifically mentioned the governor of Al-Madina, Marwan ibn al-Hakam, because he was in close quarters with Sayyidina Abu Huraira. And I mentioned some of the reports in which they interacted and noticed Marwan, despite his failings, had great honor and veneration for Abu Huraira. Are there any questions? Let us. Subhanahu wa bihamdihi subhanahu wa ta'ala bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa atubu ilaika min shaitanir rajeem subhanahu wa ta'ala bi izzatihi wa yasifun assalamu ala al mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr min sanati fi khusr alladhina amanu wa amilus salihat wa asbihu al haqq wa asbihu as-sabr wa as-sabr